This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always learning how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. What if you could absolutely maximize your chance of successful investing? In fact, what if you could have a single investment make you money five different ways? I'm very excited with my guest today because this is a guy who's actually made investing very simple and, and very practical. And his name is Keith Weinhold. I'm going to let him introduce himself in just a minute. But really, a, a lot of this that we're going to talk about today is it's really minimizing your risk for investing because people tend to be very afraid of investing. And if you could get benefits all these in, in, in a lot of different ways, then it, it really minimizes your risk from relying on any one of them. And so that's really what we're going to focus on. So Keith, give us just a one minute background on how you got into investing, what, you know, kind of, kind of your, your story. I didn't come from a real estate or entrepreneurial family at all, but one thing my parents instilled in me is live an extraordinary life. You know, don't live to get paid, get paid to live. So we vacation well as I was growing up in Pennsylvania. One place I vacationed was Alaska, and I soon learned Alaska really fits my interest for skiing and mountaineering. So I moved from Pennsylvania to Alaska more than 15 years ago, and I fell in with a group of friends I would call aspirational, right? You want to change yourself, you want to change your future, change the people you hang around with. My two friends had bought a fourplex building where they lived in one unit and rented out the other three. But in 2002, I bought a fourplex building in Midtown Anchorage, Alaska for $295,000, and I had the confidence to do it because I had two friends that had done it, and I just bought that building with an FHA loan and a 3.5% down payment, something that's still very actionable for, the, for your audience today. So thank you for that. So you bring up a really important um, point right off the bat here, Keith, which is uh, you were you, you were afraid of investing, and had you not had friends who had actually right. shown you the way, um, you, you you might not have ever started. And I was actually talking to um, uh, a buddy of mine the other day, and he said, you know, the the toughest, the the, the really the only difficult deal is the first one. And is that what you found? I mean, did, did, it, did it get easier the, um, after you did that first deal? It got easier. I lived in that first fourplex for three years. I made all the dumb mistakes, self-managing my own property, including, you know, renting the unit out right next to mine to girls just because they were attractive. But yeah, the first one was the most difficult one. And I think here's another lesson. Sometimes it's best to start before you're ready. When I bought that fourplex building, which is the first home I ever owned of any kind, I did not even know what the terms cash flow and equity meant basic terms like that. I didn't know what they meant. I just kind of knew I was living for free, but I knew real estate had made more ordinary people wealthy than anything else. And I knew I was getting outside of my comfort zone, which is really what you need to do to live an expansionary life. So, so I've got to ask you, um, thanks for that. I've got to ask you. So, um, a, a lot of people who've gotten to real estate um, have gotten into real estate since 2008. And, you know, if you got in since 2008, I'm sorry, it was not that hard. Okay. I mean, the market took care of it for you. It's a little bit like when I first, when I first got into real estate in 2003, 
and I'm, you know, and, and you're watching these, and I got into real estate in Phoenix, which was, of course, boom, 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 right? And I mean, we had 50% appreciation one year and 30% next year, and you know, a bad year was 20% appreciation. But then, of course, the bottom fell out. So if you wouldn't mind, would you share just briefly, what did you do when the bottom fell out? When the bottom fell out in most of what Alaskans call the lower 48 or lower 49 states, that didn't happen here. We didn't feel that pain, and I didn't buy property beyond my own home state of Anchorage until 2012. And actually, you know, as, as you know, mortgage qualification is more of a national thing than a local thing. So what really happened is people in Anchorage couldn't get loans for homes just because of what happened to the mortgage market nationally, and this was actually good for me. So it actually helped you. Demand. It actually Oh, that's interesting. I was lucky. That's interesting. So, so one of the things you know, we know that um, you know, we want to uh, talk about these five ways uh, to make money in real estate, and that's actually one. I I I think of real estate. It's kind of like a whole food, right? It's got a a lot of different nutrients to it. Yeah. And and because of that, it's it's more complete than a typical, let's say, invest in the stock market, where you're limited to appreciation in most stock market investing. You know, sometimes you get dividends, but for the most part, you're limited to appreciation. And that's really the benefit. And that's the singular benefit. And so you're kind of, you're putting all your, um, you know, marbles in, in one, in, in one place there because of being so dependent on appreciation. And obviously appreciation is a major factor in real estate and we, you know, we shouldn't ignore it. However, those of us in the lower 48, Okay, people who got hammered in 2008 got hammered because they were relying on appreciation. So outside of appreciation, which I think is what everybody understands. So what would be your if if that's number one, what would be number two on your list of where you make money from real estate? Cash flow. Yeah, of course, we cannot count on appreciation. We just know it happens in general over time. But the second place is really cash flow. So just to give an example, if we buy a $100,000 rental single-family home, and yes, you can find these in the U.S., Midwest, and South, if that appreciates from 100 k up to 106 well, a 6% return, that's really not very thrilling. But realize you might have only put a 20% down payment, and you start to realize your 6% gain is based on just your 20k of skin in the game that's 30% of appreciation because you got the 6% return on both your 20k down payment and the 80k that you borrowed from the bank cash flow that's just your rent income minus all the monthly expenses so say in this $100,000 property you just have $150 of monthly cash flow that's $1,800 a year that's another 9% return and that portion is known as the cash on cash return. It's your annualized cash flow divided by your skin in the game. Right. And and to me the big lesson of two thousand eight was cash flow. I, I think that was the big lesson because uh, appreciation is like you say, leveraged appreciation goes up exponentially when the market's going up, but it also goes down exponentially when the market goes down. So you leverage your gains, but you also leverage your losses. Whereas with cash flow, what I love about cash flow is, it, as long as you have a fixed interest rate, which is another place where people got hammered in 2008 because they didn't have fixed interest rates. But nowadays, it's not that hard to get fixed interest rates. I mean, even if they're 10-year fixed, knowing that we are that real estate typically runs on a 16-year cycle, okay? So 10 years out, you know, because we're already 
10, 11 years into the cycle. So knowing that you had a 10 or a 15 year fixed rate, then what happens is, is that as you go, you know, that cash flow, while you may lose some, because we actually saw rents go down, as long as there's sufficient cash flow, you don't really have to worry so much about the ups and downs because you can still pay the mortgage, right? Leverage cuts both ways, for sure. Just like it amplified our appreciation gain from 6% to 30%, it certainly cuts the other way. So what's going to save you is cash flow. That's what happened to a lot of people 10 years ago. If they didn't buy for cash flow, they were in trouble. Yeah, I I think there's no question. I I just want to emphasize that to people because I've just seen too many people, um, including myself, I, I lost... I lost money in that 2008 from um, relying too much on appreciation, and yeah. uh, and I, I I look at cash flow and I'm going, look, if we have enough cash flow, now our cash flow can go down. It just really is a good buffer, so we're going to help minimize our risk. And this is one of the challenge I have. Uh, frankly, this is one of the challenges of investing in the stock market. Most stock market invest stock market investing does not include cash flow. Okay, and so uh, to me, that's a, a real, a, a really big way to minimize the risk. Okay, so we've talked about appreciation and and cash flow. What's your number? What's your number three? Loan paydown made by your tenants. Some might call this amortization. In a rental property, the cash flow is meaning income exceed expenses. One of those expenses is the principal portion of the mortgage, and your tenant pays that. To keep with this example, with an $80,000 loan on a property at a 6% interest rate on a 30-year loan, that's $898 annually that the tenant pays down for you, and that's another 4% return to you. And to some people, that's a phantom return. They're not even thinking about amortization. Yeah, that's that's one of the, uh, I, I think that's one of the things, the unsung, if I, if I could, the unsung benefits yeah. of real estate is that you really do have, you have somebody else paying down your debt. And not only that, but you're actually forced to pay down your debt as long as you have this, as long as you don't have an interest-only mortgage. So I'm not a real fan of the interest-only mortgages for that reason, because you don't get the amortization. Now, you know, you could say, well, yeah, but if I amortize it, I'm actually making a, a, a lower return from the standpoint that some of my money could have been going to another investment. The challenge is that at the same time we want to maximize our reward, we do want to minimize our risk. And amortization is really a good way to do that. I'll, I'll give you a this has been been made public, so I, I'm not telling any confidences. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, Robert and Kim talk about a property that they bought, and when they bought the property, it had a it was a commercial property, it had a 17 year lease on it, and so they set up a 17 year loan to amortize it down, so that if the tenant left and did not renew at the end of 17 years, they were okay and. I'm going, well, you know, people think of Robert as, uh, you know, not risk averse, right? I mean, he, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur, and yet here they're doing something that really is very much a risk minimization tactic in order to reduce the risk you have on real estate. So having that loan amortize uh, is, uh, you know, while it, it, while it technically can reduce your returns, actually, it's such a good risk, risk management tool that I just think that every, you know, I just think that it's, it's an amazing way to minimize your risk while still getting those, those great returns. And yet it's just a third of five ways that one profits when they're a real estate investor. This fourth way 
is called inflation profiting, and it's even more stealth than amortization. And, you know, even some advanced investors fail to consider the inflation profiting benefit. You wouldn't keep a million dollars in the bank earning essentially zero yield for the long term. The opposite way, if you borrow a million dollars, we know your tenant's already diminishing that for you with amortization, as we just described. Inflation is actually eating away at that as well. So with 3% inflation, if you have a $1 million loan, even if there weren't any principal pay down made by the tenant, you'd effectively only owe the bank 970 k after year one, 940 k or so after year two. You tie up long-term fixed interest rate debt tied to a cash flowing asset, inflation profiting. Here's what's fascinating to me, because you know, you and I are in this. Uh, you and I were in New Orleans, right, at the uh, right. New Orleans Investment Conference, which is really the headquarters of the gold movement. Um, right. Was my experience down there? I had not been down there before. It's a great conference. It's it fascinating. Is. It's it's done very very well. It's like the oldest investment conference I think on the planet, and a lot of what you think of as gold bugs, right? A lot of people who love gold. And I remember having a discussion with, with uh, a, a buddy of mine years and years ago about gold. And I said, so how is it, why would you think that gold is better than debt? And he just looked at me like, what? And I'm just, I'm walking him through, I'm going, what is the federal government doing? How is it that they expect to pay down $22 trillion in debt. Inflation. That is the only way. You cannot pay it back. It's The, the debt's now as big as the economy. So there's Absolutely. no way to pay down that debt with current dollars. The only way to pay down that debt is inflation. So the government is actually has actually built this in. The Federal Reserve has actually built this in to this to the to the US system of government that look, we can have these this debt because we're going to pay it down with cheaper dollars down the road. And so, you know, the the, the government knows it and it is truly, I mean, if if you believe that inflation is going to continue, then debt, and, and particularly, and, and again, we're talking about cash flowing debt. So we're not talking about any debt. Okay, I want to be really clear. It's not consumer debt. It's not debt that's not performing. It's performing debt. You can have, there's, as, as Kiyosaki's always saying, it goes, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Okay, good debt produces cash flow. And so as long as, say, if you, had a, if you have a, a real estate and you're relying solely on the appreciation, I think you have bad debt because it's not producing cash flow. You may still be getting inflation benefits, but the reality is, is that there is potential for deflation as well. Now, granted, the Federal Reserve will do anything to keep away from deflation. I mean, we saw that sure. with TARP and all of the, the, um, uh, the bailouts in 2008. They would do anything in their power to avoid deflation. They think that is the death of the economy. Okay, so that's the good news, actually. It's a good news for having debt. We just need to make sure that it's debt A, it's wise debt, so it's debt that actually has that fixed rate of interest, and, and B, that it's wise debt and that it gets amortized, and C, that it has positive, you know, that it creates positive cash flow. And I don't care if it's real estate debt, business debt, if it's debt on your farm, you know, as long as it's debt that creates positive cash flow, you know, um, I don't know if you know this, Keith, I, I grew up Mormon, and in the Mormon church, they really are, are very prudent with money. They really do not like consumer debt at all. I mean, I grew up, consumer debt is bad, 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 bad. 
On the other hand, they're actually very positive about business debt and debt that produces cash flow. So they're, they're actually very wise that way. Of course, they're, uh, <laughs> they make millions and millions of dollars on their investments. Um, so so it's, just, it's really interesting to just think of it this way. Of course, the last of the five, and, we're, and then, then we'll wrap up. The last of the five, of course, is my favorite. And what's the, what, what, what's the fifth benefit from real estate? Yeah, the fifth and final way is the tax benefits, things like depreciation and the 1031 exchange. So I just want to let you talk to the tax benefit on this property where we bought a $100,000 property with a $20,000 down payment. So, you know, the, the, actually the challenge with tax, tax benefits, I, I was glad we put it last because yeah. a lot of people lead with tax benefits. I was in Australia last year and... Um, they have what they do what they call negative gearing, which is actually losing money because the tax benefits from real estate are so good. Now, that would be a real temptation in today's market because on your example of a hundred thousand dollar property, you put down twenty thousand. your ta your tax deduction the first year could easily be as high as thirty thousand dollars. So you put a twenty thousand dollars investment, and got a $30,000 deduction. And that's because of bonus depreciation. And it is literally remarkable when you think about it. I mean, let's say you were in a 40% tax bracket and you got a, 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 a $30,000 deduction, okay? That means you got $12,000. Now that means out of that $20,000, the government contributed 60%. And you're going, I'm only putting $8,000 into this deal which is true. Now you're taking all of the, the risk going down the road, right? You're taking all the risks. So, you know, if, you have, if your cash flow goes down, you're taking that risk. The government's not. If you're taking the, we have a deflationary period. If you get your loan called, you know, all of those things, you still take all those risks. So what I, what I want to emphasize here is taxes are such a big benefit right now that it's very tempting for people to buy real estate because of the tax rules. Now, I will say one thing. The purpose of the tax law is to incentivize people to do things the government wants them to do. And real estate is obviously, right now, the biggest incentive, okay? Of all the incentives in the US, real estate has the biggest incentive. New or used property gets the same benefit, which is astounding when you think about it. But just investing for the tax benefit, while it's not good, if it encourages you and you go, look, I'm, I can reduce my risk. The government literally is going to take 40, 50, 60% of the risk away from me. And that encourages you to start studying, okay? To start learning, to start listening to podcasts like this one and Get Rich Education, where Keith does very simple, you know, just like, just like we do. It's, it's just very simple, practical, you know, podcasts. So you start getting educated. If the tax law is encouraging you enough, you're going, wow, that is such a big benefit. I cannot afford anymore to ignore real estate as a potential investment. It may not be the right investment for you. It's not for everybody. I mean, I pr uh, personally, I'm a much bigger investor in business than I am in real estate. I only invest in real estate as a way to further my business, okay? Yeah. So, uh, you know, real estate's not for everybody. What I want to do is encourage everybody who's still relying on the buy, hold, and pray strategy of a 401k in, in the stock market, and remember that the difference with real estate is 
you get a deduction going in, like you would with a 401k, but it's A, it's actually bigger than the amount of money you put in, not like a 401k, and when you take the money out, it doesn't, it can be tax-free. So that's a subject of a whole nother show. Um, how to, and, and we've talked about it. If you go back to our buy, borrow, and die strategy in a previous podcast, you can get a little bit more on that. What I found the last um, year, though, is that I have a, a number of clients that are real estate professionals. They, I mean, they're really, really, I mean, you would know who they are, okay? That's, that's, that's how, um, how big they are in real estate. They've been hesitant in this market to buy real estate, and there's been a, a couple of them. The only reason they even looked at a deal was because of the tax benefits. But once they looked at it, then they started examining it, pulling it apart, and looking at the other four ways, and it turned out that that real estate investment was good. So they thought they couldn't find anything good. The tax law incentivized them to look. So this is where, this is really the, the key message here. Let the tax tax advantages incentivize you to look and do your homework. Just don't let it wag the dog, okay? Don't let that tax tail wag the dog. Make sure that you are getting the cash flow, that you're in an area that is hopefully likely to appreciate, that you're in a loan that will amortize and, and will, you know, you can take advantage of that, that in inflation hedge, you know? So take advantage of all five. I would say for me, number one is cash flow. If, it positive, if it's got a significant positive cash flow, you're in pretty good stead, right? Because the other things all give you a hedge against that. Keith, one more time, how can people find you? They can find me at the Get Rich Education Podcast and GetRichEducation.com, where right now at GetRichEducation.com, we're giving away my free ebook called Seven Money Myths That Are Killing Your Wealth Potential. Well, thank you, Keith. Thank, thanks so much for taking time. Uh, I, you know, I love other educators. Um, I love people who specialize, and, and Keith really specializes in real estate. Um, real estate's not the only way to invest, but it is a... Like I say, it's a whole food. And when we get educated on real estate, like other investing, when we get educated in taxes, what we always end up doing is making way more money and paying way less tax. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. As an additional thank you, I want to give a special gift just to our podcast listeners to help you jumpstart your journey to building massive wealth tax-free. This is a group of not just one, but five of my top educational resources on this topic. There are several amazing, helpful PDF downloads and two training videos. These resources are not available and we don't give them away anywhere else. So get these bonuses now. All you have to do is go to wealthability.com slash gift. That's wealthability.com forward slash G-I-F-T and get these gifts to jumpstart your wealth now. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.